0: I was just stopping. I just was thinking just a few minutes ago, our, our sermon today is on assurance of, guide, of God's guidance in our life, and I was just thinking back all the places that I've had the opportunity to go because I decided when I was about 18, 19 years old to follow Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I guess the first trip I made was down to the uh, Rio Grande River and then on into Mexico when I was in college, we had an opportunity, a group of, of us, actually about 12, 13 of us went down there uh, and it was over winter break from school and we had the opportunity to go into Mexico and to try to share our faith. There was only one of us who knew any Spanish at all and so it was difficult, but we did try to go down there and share our faith and all because of God's guidance and leading us down there. Uh, later on, I've had the opportunity to go to, um, Let's see, where have I had opportunity to go to? I've been in South Korea on on a stop to Singapore. I've been to Singapore and I've been to Indonesia. Uh, I've been to uh, uh, Canada. I have been to uh, several places in the United States on mission trips. Uh, I've been to Guatemala and all of it because God was guiding me. And so I hold this, this sermon, this topic on assurance of God's guidance as being one of the top things that He has done for us, amen? I mean, it's wonderful to know that in this Christian walk, this Christian life, that He has not left us alone. In fact, He told the disciples that. He he told the disciples, I'm going to be leaving you, but I'm not gonna leave you alone. I will leave the Helper. I will leave the Holy Spirit there to guide you. And so I'm very thankful that he has done that for us today, and we wanna talk about this today. How has God given us the assurance of his guidance? And so that's our topic for today. So the scripture that we're gonna be looking at is Proverbs 3, verses one through eight. And we're gonna focus especially on verses five and six during this sermon. Why don't we go ahead and stand for uh, the reading of God's word, stretch our legs just a little bit, but also give honor and glory to God's word as we read this scripture. So as I said, this is Proverbs chapter three, verses one through eight. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not, st- let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart, so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes fear the lord and turn away from evil it will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones let's pray father we thank you so much for the opportunity to look at scripture and to glean from it what you want for us and how you are trying to teach us and inform us and today you're trying to tell us that you are our guide and that you will never fail us or forsake us but you are always there to help us, guide us through the difficult situations in life. And so we pray that you would help us to understand and have the courage to accept these words and to uh, trust in you in all that we do. And we ask all these things in Christ's name, amen. Amen. So, so far we've talked about several of these assurances. We've talked about the assurance of forgiveness and isn't it a wonderful thing that we can know that we are forgiven of our sins? amen Amen. that's a good thing right that we can know that we are forgiven of our sins and also we talked about how we are given the assurance that when we pray God hears those prayers and if we pray according to his will he will answer those prayers and then last week we talked about how he has given us the assurance that we will have victory over temptation and sin not because of the strength that is within ourselves but because of the strength that he gives us through the Holy Spirit. And as I mentioned before several times, we're gonna be talking about the assurance of God's guidance in our life today. And I believe this is a great promise that he has given us and a great thing that he has done for us. There's a book that I wanna recommend. I I recommended this uh, to the Wednesday night group, but uh, it's a very instrumental book. And you may have never heard of it, but it's probably the second most well-known book in the whole world, <laughs> next to the Bible, and it's called The Pilgrim's Progress. Anyone heard of The Pilgrim's Progress? Yes. Okay. Maybe you've had a chance to read it, maybe you've never thought about reading it, but I really suggest it to you because it talks very much about the topic that we are talking about today, being guided by God through this life. And so the essence of this book is that it is an allegory, and so it's got a lot of symbolism in it, but it's very, simple, very easy symbolism to figure out. So it's about this person, this one who's called a pilgrim, his name is Christian, and he's on his way to the Celestial City. So already you know the essence of the book. It's about a Christian and their journey to the Celestial City. And during this book, there's a lot of talk about staying on the path. You enter in through a certain gate and you stay on this certain path and you do your best not to be diverted from one side to the other, but you take the straight path all the way to the celestial city. Well, you can imagine maybe what challenges Christian might come upon during this journey. He, comes, he, he gets on the narrow path, the straight path, And then there's branches off of that. And different times, at different times, there's things that are attractive that he sees on the left hand or he sees on the right hand, and he is tempted to go off of that track. And sometimes he does go off of that track, and it gets him into trouble. So I won't spoil the whole thing for you, but I really encourage you, as a follow-up to this lesson here today, to try to get that book, The Pilgrim's Progress, and read it. Now, when you look for it, get the easy-to-read version. <laughs> it was written in the 1600s by a guy named John Bunyan. And so, uh, you can remember, probably from your King James Bible, if you wanna read a novel that kinda sounds like King James, then, then go ahead and get the, uh, that version. But if you want an easier version, there there are easier versions for you to read. But I think that you would be blessed for that. I think it would make this sermon kind of hit home. And uh, you could even read it as a family. It would be very enjoyable to do that. And so in our scripture today, especially verses five and six, let me read those again. It gives us this great promise. Verse five, six says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Sounds very inviting to us, doesn't it? We want to be on that straight path. I don't know of anybody who loves a twisty turny road that has all kinds of obstacles in it. We would rather have a straight path that goes directly to the goal and that is what God is offering to us here today. He's offering for us that he will make our path straight. He will straighten out the crooked road and make it one that we can navigate and navigate in the way that he wants us to go. Now, I'm not by saying that the road is straight, saying that our lives will not take twists and turns because they certainly do, don't they? Everyone who's in here has had some kind of... uh, obstacle placed in their way which has kind of changed the path of their life. I've had several of those. I've had uh, three different secular jobs and they were brought about sometimes by things that I did in my own life, but other times it was other people who uh, said, we don't want you at this job anymore. (laughs) They did say that once, no. (laughs) They did say that. Uh, We don't need you anymore, they laid me off. And so uh, You know those I'm not we're not talking about the straight path as being one that has no obstacles or no twists and turns But the straight path means it's the path where you follow Jesus Christ in a straightforward manner, right? You're not going off to the left. You're not going off to the right You're staying with Jesus Christ. You're following his path and so He will guide us into the best way for us to go. There are, as I said, crooked paths, definitely in the book, The Pilgrim's Progress, there were obstacles for Christian to overcome. One of those was the castle of despair and he mistakenly got over into this castle of despair and for many, many days he was in despair and anxiety and he just could not get out of that trap until eventually he was delivered away from that. And so we can have changes in our path as well if we're not careful to observe the direction and the um, the direction that our heart is inclined to, right? So our, our heart can be inclined to go after something that is not good for us. As an example, I put down here Proverbs chapter seven. This is, uh, the person that Proverbs was written to, and how he is being tempted by uh, someone that is not good for him. So let me let me just read this. It says, "And now, O sons, listen to me, and be attentive to the words of my heart, of my mouth. Let not your heart turn aside to her ways; do not stray into her paths. For many a victim has she laid low, and all her slain are a mighty throng." Her house is the way to Sheol, going down to the chambers of death. And so I like that verse because of this command. It says, let not your hearts turn aside to her ways. In other words, as we are going through life and we're wanting to stay on this straight path, there's going to be things on the left, there's going to be things on the right, things of the world that will try to get our attention off of Christ and onto them. And the scripture says, don't do that. Don't let your heart turn to the side or to this side, but keep your focus on Jesus Christ. There are many forks in our life, amen? There are many different paths we could take. It's essential that we stay on the one that is being guided by God for us. And so, You've heard it said before that the path to salvation is a narrow path. Jesus himself in Matthew seven said that we are to enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the while the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Jesus himself says that we are to enter by the narrow gate and we know from studying scripture that he is that gate. He is the door by which we enter into salvation. Amen. But if you see a gate that is wide and everyone is going and flooding toward that gate, it's probably not a good indication because Jesus is the narrow gate. It's a narrow way. He says, Directly, He says, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few. And so most travel by the wide path that leads to destruction. In other words, don't go with the flow, right? You've heard that term before. It's an old term, but we don't as Christians go with the flow. We go with Jesus Christ. We follow him in a lifestyle of obedience. And so being on this path means that we enter through Jesus Christ. We enter because we understand that he has died for our sins. He's paid the penalty for our sins on the cross. And we enter in through the gate when we place our faith and trust in what Christ has done on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. Amen? Amen. That's how we get onto the narrow path. But we must stay on that narrow path. And that's one thing that Pilgrim's Progress really emphasizes, and I'm not trying to rise it to the level of scripture, but he does use scripture all throughout this book to show that true Christians do stay on this path. They do stay on the straight path. They may wander from time to time, but they always come back to that straight path. And that is the life of obedience to Jesus Christ we are to follow him, right? Yeah. We're following him. It's just not, we just don't call ourselves Christians, but we are Christians because we follow Jesus Christ. And so there must be this heart that we have that wants to follow after Jesus Christ. And I believe that heart is the, per- is, is the, is the person <coughs> of Jesus Christ himself. There is a destination that we are trying to get to For a Christian in the Pilgrim's Progress, it was a celestial city. But so the celestial city obviously represents uh, heaven, but who is the king of heaven other than Jesus Christ? He is our ultimate destination. Do you agree with that? Jesus Christ is what gives us uh, the desire to want to be in heaven, is to have a personal relationship with him. And so the past destination is to be with Christ. Christ is the treasure that we seek and becoming like him also is the treasure that we seek. We are designed and we are reborn in essence to love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's the scripture that Jesus gave to us. We are to love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so the path, this is from Proverbs again, the path of life leads upward for the prudent that he may turn away from Sheol beneath. And we are to be Christ-like and to follow after Christ. And so that is our destination. Our destination is to be with Christ and to be like Christ. But this path also has a course that we are to follow. And that is... Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So we place our faith and trust in Christ and then we follow his lifestyle. We follow his obedience. So there's a destination, there's a course, there's a map. Do you know there was a map to the way we are to walk in our lives? It's the Bible, isn't it? Yes. It's the Bible. It's God's Word. We have been given written instructions for how we are to live our life. And if I don't say this later on, I'll say it now, but much of what we need to stay on the path is written in the Bible, right? Amen. Much of what we need to be obedient to Christ is written in the Bible. Now, there are some things that are not written in the Bible, like like which job we should pursue. I mean, it's not written in the Bible what job we are to pursue. That's kind of left up to you between you and God. But most of what we need to know is in the Bible. And so sometimes I feel like people skip over that. And they go directly to how they feel and what they feel is God's will for their life without examining the map, which is God's word. It's only through God's word that we can stay on the path of obedience. And by the way, the path of obedience is also the path of our greatest joy and the path of our faith. There are no shortcuts to the path, no detours, no sightseeing. It's a path of faith that has a destination, a course to follow and a map and it's described in the Psalms um, as a path that is lit by the word of God. And it's the, the light of the word of God is our path. And so he will make straight our paths, but there's some things that we must do. All looking back again to verses five, uh, 4, 5, and 6 of Proverbs chapter 3. First of all, we do not rely on our own understanding. Or insight. We do not rely on our own understanding. It says there right in the scripture, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. We do not rely on our own understanding. Our own understanding is based upon merely human reasoning. It doesn't take into account God's word. I don't know how many times I have heard this and maybe you've heard it as well. But I've heard people say, I know what the Bible says, but this just feels right. Have you ever heard someone say that? I know the Bible says this is wrong, but this just feels right. And that's trouble area, right? That's trouble area. We cannot replace God's word. We cannot sacrifice, even though it may be painful. We may think it's painful to follow God's word or a sacrifice to follow God's word. He has given that for us for our joy, that we might be the most joyful of all people. And so, yeah, don't say that. Don't say, I know what the Bible says, but it just doesn't, but this feels right. For instance, let me give give you some examples from scripture. Human reasoning says to hate your enemies, right? Hate your enemies. God says, love your enemies. Doesn't make any sense from a human point of view, does it? Human reasoning says to hate your enemies. God says to love your enemies. Human reasoning says to hit back. You hit harder, I hit harder. You hit even harder, I hit even harder. That's human reasoning. God says to turn the other cheek. You see, God's Reasoning in his Bible does not always make sense to us as mere humans. Human reasoning says, grab all the gusto in life while you can. We see that every day, right? Grab all the gusto you can. God says to invest your life in eternal things. He says, pay attention to those things which are going to last for eternity which is people, right? It's not necessarily experience or climbing the highest mountain or riding the fastest roller coaster, all these things that you see that are not necessarily bad, but if they are the object of your worship, then they are actually bad. God says to invest our life in eternal things, which are the lives of people, relationships with other people. Human reasoning says to be served by others and you will be happy. God says, sacrifice yourself for others and you will find joy. Don't rely on your own understanding apart from God and apart from his word. It will lead you off the track every time. It will lead you off of the path into areas that will not be good for you and will be destructive for you. It's as though you're leaning against the Leaning Tower of Pisa, right? Have you ever seen that statue? It's not a statue. It's actually a building. Leaning Tower of Pisa, the foundation, started giving away many, many years ago. And uh, it is now, it's a column, and I'm sure you've seen pictures of it. But it's slightly leaning. You have to kind of look at it like this. But one of these days, it's going to fall over, right? One of these days it will fall over. So you don't place your weight, you don't stabilize yourself by leaning on something that is not a firm foundation and that's exactly what we do when we leave the word of God out of it. We're not leaning on something that is stable. We're leaning on feelings and we need to be leaning upon the solid rock of God's word. So don't be dismissive of God's word. Rather, embrace his word. Don't be guilty of the pride that says, I can do without God's word in my life. We cannot do without God's word in our life. Amen? That's that's true. We cannot do without God's word and expect to grow in godliness and become like him. So we're not to lean on our own understanding And in all ways, we are to acknowledge him. Always we are to acknowledge him. Have you acknowledged in all areas of your life that Jesus is Lord in your life? I have done that. I have done that many times. (laughs) And I say many times is because I keep trying to take parts of my life back. And so it's not necessarily uh, just the younger Christian who has to deal with this, but it's us who have walked with Christ for a while. We always have a tendency to try to take back certain areas of our life and make them ours and not surrender them to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we must acknowledge everything is under his lordship. We must acknowledge that his word is sufficient. God's word is sufficient, isn't it? It's the only thing we need for our faith to guide and direct us. We don't need some spirit speaking to us. That's why we reject the books of Mormon is because they were given after the scriptures were given by some spirit, supposedly. And so we must acknowledge that his word is sufficient. And so right now in the quietness of your heart, just, say, yes, I agree with that, or no, I don't agree with that, but hopefully you're saying, yes, I agree that God's word is sufficient and I need to be in God's word. I need to understand it. I need to apply it to my life. Other ways of, of acknowledging him is that we must acknowledge who Jesus is. He's the Lord. He's God. He's our master. Amen? Amen. He has rights over us. If we are a Christian, he has purchased us with a price. We are his servants. And we should acknowledge him as Lord in every aspect of our life. We must also acknowledge the Holy Spirit as our guide. And if you don't know it, I've mentioned this several times recently, but as you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit enters your life takes up residence in your life and becomes your counselor and your guide. And yet if we don't realize he is there or acknowledge he's there, it's very difficult for him to guide us. But he does guide us. He guides us in, in revealing what the meaning of God's word is to us and then giving us the power to be able to carry that out in our everyday life. I know sometimes when I talk about being on this path with people, Um, and and being on uh, the way to the celestial city, so to speak, it seems so hard to people, and it is hard, right? Jesus said it will be hard. But we have the Holy Spirit. It's not just us. It's the Holy Spirit who lives within us, who empowers us, and so we must acknowledge Him and ask Him for that power in our daily life. Acknowledge Christ, acknowledge the Holy Spirit, acknowledge God in all areas of your life. There's this little pamphlet. I don't know if I've ever handed him out here or not. Any of you heard of the little pamphlet, My Heart, Christ's Home? Okay, it's a good little pamphlet. But it talks about a person who becomes a Christian, and it's kind of an allegory too, and he's speaking to Christ directly, and he's inviting Christ into his home. And so he invites him into the front foyer, and they have this discussion. And Jesus says, well, I want to see all of your house. And of course, the house represents the life of the Christian. And so he takes him to his favorite room and takes him to his game room, and he has everything set up just exactly the way he wants it. And Jesus says, well, this is all very fine. I can see that you like your entertainment. And he takes him to the library, and he sees all the books, and And the Christian has displayed prominently the Bible, make sure that Jesus sees all those. And then Jesus comes to this one door and it's locked. And he said, well, why can't I get into this room? And he notices that there's a stench coming from that room. And the young Christian says, well, Jesus, you, you really don't want to go in there. And Jesus says, you misunderstand if, We're going to have a relationship. We have to be totally honest with each other. I must have access to all rooms in your house. And so reluctantly, the Christian gets the key, opens the door and its closet, just full of all the bad stuff that he did not want Jesus to see. All of his habits, all of his filthy clothing, his filthy rags, and they smelled the high heaven. And he was so embarrassed that Jesus was seeing this. And so what does Jesus do? Jesus just calmly picks up a mop and a broom, and he goes in and he starts cleaning out that closet. And it's a wonderful picture of God's grace and his understanding. There is no sin that we have committed that he didn't die for, that he cannot save us from, amen? And That's the attitude that we should have toward Jesus. We must acknowledge Him in all of our ways, even those things that we would want to hide from Him. He already knows about Him anyway. Confess those to Him, repent of your sin, and let Him come and clean up your life. And so in all our ways, we must acknowledge Him. And finally, we must trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust, I love that word in the context of the Bible, in the context of knowing Christ. Not that believe is wrong, not that having faith is wrong, but there's something about trust that means that we not only believe in Christ, but we are relying upon him for everything. Amen. We must rely upon him for everything. And that's exactly what happens when you become a Christian. When you become a Christian, you're saying, I can't do it. I want to be on this path, but I cannot do it. I cannot live up to this expectation. And Jesus says, I have lived up and I have lived all those things for you. And if you will just believe and trust in me, then that can all be credited to your account and you can be perfectly righteous before God. But we must love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength we must trust in him with all of our heart soul mind and strength i wrote down here i wrote this a long time ago so i'm not really sure why i wrote it down here but every heart worships something right <laughs> every heart worships something And if you just stop and think of it, I think that you'll see that's true. That there really are no atheists in this world because atheists really just worship themselves. Uh, Sometimes all of us worship ourselves as well, but sometimes we worship our cars. Sometimes we worship our electronics. Sometimes uh, we place a lot of things. Maybe, you know, a lot of times when I'm driving up here on Sunday morning, I see boats going down to, you know, uh, going down to Kentucky Lake or something like that. And I'm not saying everyone who fishes on Sunday, you know, is like that, but uh, some of them, that is their item of worship. And they're going to their day of worship, down to the lake, and they're spending it with nature, and they're not spending it with God. So every heart worships something. God, of course, realizes this because he created us to worship him. And we, in our arrogance, have decided to substitute something in his place. And he's he's offended by that. You may ask the question, well, is God mad at us? In a sense, yes, he's mad at us. He's upset with us because he has given us his very best and yet we have turned and substituted it for something else. That's why the scripture tells us to keep your heart with all vigilance for it flows for from it flows the spring of life. Basically that verse means how you believe is how you act. If you act like a Christian, then chances are you have had a true experience with Jesus Christ. But if you're not acting like a Christian, then you might wanna ask, have I truly, really believed in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior? I love the fact that he guides us through this life. I love the fact that he's, in a sense, standing over my right shoulder and coaching me which way to go and giving me the strength to do that. I think it's one of the greatest things that God has ever done for us. It's how we experience a relationship with him. It's him guiding us and us saying yes to that and seeing the wisdom that he brings. And so, are you being guided by God today? You might say, well, I'm not exactly sure how to do that. Well, the best place to start is by reading God's word. Just pick out a time every day where you can read God's word and ask the question, God, how are you guiding me today? You might read a verse about confessing sin and the easy question is, how are you guiding me today? And he might say, well, this verse, 1 John 1, 9, if you confess your sins, uh, I'm faithful to forgive your sins. You know, what I'm telling you today is confess your sins to me for the forgiveness of your sins. It could be as simple as that. But that's how we follow God's guidance is through his word, his Holy Spirit within us, empowering us to do that. And the reason I'm so passionate about sharing this today is that I understand that it's the most joyful life that you will ever have as well being in the center of God's will, following his guidance. He never promises that it's going to be easy. In fact, with Jesus following his his will, it was very difficult for Jesus, wasn't it? It's never promised to be easy, but it is promised that we will have an abundant life, that we will have a joyful life, and we will have an eternal life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this time. We thank you that you guide and direct us wherever we lead, if we will just stop and listen to you. Help us to be people of your word who will see it not just as words on a page, but a love letter from you guiding us into a a life of joy and faithfulness and an eternal life. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the example that he has set for us is as an example for us to live as well. And we pray that you would help us to be in the center of your will at all times. And if we're not, that you would bring that to our attention and help us to get back on the right path. Thank you for this today. Thank you for those who have been listening. Pray that your Holy Spirit would have freedom to do his work. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen thank okay. you